Welcome back to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sunzala. I am Matt Sunzala, and this is the podcast in which I talk with my friends and uh, we reminisce a bit. And I got my brother Victorious in the house right now. What up, what up, what up? Now, Victorious, you realize it's been 30 years. That's a long time. You know what? You could be right. I'm right for sure because I lived in New York in 94, and you came oh, up with Chris and them right. in 94. You're right. Right. And that's where we first met, Matt, when you came up to visit, I believe. I thought, no, 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 no. We met um, because you, you greeted me, you rugged dog, what's up? Oh, right, so right, right, right. So right, we right. met here in Austin. Yeah. We we definitely met here in Austin. Mm-hmm. I think we may have met at the Flamingo. Um, I mean, with Chris and Arvin, for sure. Yeah, no, no. And I was around them a lot. So mm-hmm. um, we met before I got to New York. And then when when I we got to New York and we were around Macon, um, that's true I remember yeah you were like rugged dog what's up man and so that that was like the second time we actually spent well that's time because together. when I met you I remember and I always say you were like my name's rugged dog and I was like oh rugged dog okay <laughs> <laughs> but your rap name was rugged back then it was rugged and I was saying my name is rugged dog you know yep. what I'm saying and it, it was it all ran together back then it oh, all yeah. ran together and we didn't have an internet to look at to to see the names right no no internet no research internet. or any of that stuff it was all real life yeah and what's crazy is that when you start thinking about the the way that the internet changed everything bro yep. like um you you really had to have some type of hustle back then in order for people to know you you know and then here we are um, you know, West Texas boys come to come to Austin, and then now we're in New York. That was a hit. That was just definitely that 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 whole trip messed me up. That was a head flip. That was your first time in New York, right? My very yeah. first time in New York, and then to be on uh, the steps of making records with Feral Munch was there that day. Gene Gray was there that day. Pumpkinhead was there that day. Man. It was it was wild. It was wild. Most Def's brother came through. That was crazy. Yep. Um, you know, and it just it just felt like, wow, this is surreal, you know. It was really surreal up there, living in Brooklyn and Clinton Hill um, in a house with, like, what, six Texans? <laughs> Five, six Texans. <laughs> when Chris and Arvin moved in there, they moved into the living room. Chris and Arvin being sociopath left uh, from Austin, old school right. Austin rap legends and, uh, and production. And uh, OT, who I'm still in touch with, uh, here and there when he comes he travels for work and when he comes through Austin I generally see him and uh Brent and Marshall and we were all up there like it was crazy because that was a year the Rockets and Knicks were in the in the NBA finals so it was crazy in the uh Houston. yeah they, they won two of them. yeah you know it was what crazy up there the 94 man I remember when you guys came to visit and that place was was crazy it was man first I, the, the concept of New York um for a Texan, man, when you start thinking about New York, you think of, you know, these big city bright lights. You don't start thinking of like everything is on top of each other. Even yeah. even like in the in the house that we were at for making, it was just like straight up. It was a brownstone or something like that. It's straight up. You know, you you going in, there's a level, there was another level, and there was another level. Mm-hmm. I think studio may have been in the middle. That was the third floor. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. And, you know, um, as a Texan, everything spread out. You ain't got no concept of that, man. You ain't got no. no. And then it's it, you. You have to pick. You'd have to pick your poison. Do you want to be warm at night or do you want to be hot during the day? And then you know, I pick 
you know, I'd rather be hot during the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I uh, I did a year, and I love New York to visit. I love it a lot, man. It's a great city to go go to and hang out and all this. But living there, I was like, man, this is too much. Yeah, give me some space. Yeah, you it's know. everybody on top of everybody. And and, yeah. and let me ask you a question. So I, I was I was thinking about before we get you know deeper into me. I was thinking about sociopath left, and I was thinking about man. Like, why didn't they make it? They were probably one of the better groups that I had ever heard. Um, you know, not even just coming from this region, but during that time, they had some really good stuff. I mean, they were ahead of their time, and they were total misfits in the scene. If you look at hip-hop now, what people look like, and the repeat, they, everyone rapping, it's like, that's... Sociopath Left was decades before this. You know what I mean? There wasn't... I mean, it's a black dude, white dude, and a Mexican dude. Yeah. Right? Incredible DJ, Spinner T, Spinner champion T. DJ, you know, incredible production from all of them. And I mean, the skills were very much so there, but they weren't, they had a song called Pet Chicken. <laughs> that was, this was eons before you could be silly like that. Right. They were way before so many people and they actually had great performances. Um, but it's just, you know, it's another, um, I think they were just ahead of their, really ahead of their time. And then, you know, I'm sorry, but we have uh, established, especially back then. I mean, Houston is Houston, but everybody has their expectations of the South. You know right. what I mean? Like, you couldn't just come out and be yourself and funny and fun. I mean, of course, all the down South are themselves, themselves, and that's that. But when you had, like, something that was kind of out there, sociopath left, out in left field, mm-hmm. man, it was hard to really get a grip. And you know from, you know, especially in those 90s, we had the rap. I mean, I hate separating rap and hip hop. We already know the definition and the terms, right. but in simple terms, the hip hopity side and the rap side or the dance party club side and the cool performances and the, you know what I mean? Like there was different side. And so, and Austin was extreme with that because I mean, a lot, most cities, people complain all the time about Austin. We don't know this, we don't know that, man. No, most cities don't have the venues that you have here. No, that, not at all. You know what I mean? Flamingo Cantina being around for over 30 years now. Yeah. Still hosting young rap. You know, they've been doing that from day one. And you'd have like, it was so different coming from Houston in the early 90s to visit in Austin. And like, first of all, the sound was better at the shows here for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, the scene was really diverse, and it was fun. You know, people like Arvin and Chris, you know, in Houston really stuck out. Here in Austin, it was like, you know, everybody's pretty cool. So I, I came to two things. You mentioned one of them, and, and that's aesthetics. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, aesthetic, when you look at them, you're like, nah, you know. But uh, then I thought they were in the perfect place to actually, you know, catch some traction. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that New York only embraced New York. You know what I'm saying? That too, but they also took themselves, even though they were funny and silly, they also took themselves too seriously to an extent. Like, even though Arvin is the craziest person I've ever met, they still really, really wanted to be uh, Mob Deep or something, or Feral Monch. You know, they wanted to be <laughs> like this. Uh, of course, everyone wants to be taken seriously, and I'm not trying to yeah. take anything away from them. They had the skills and all that, but... It, they they needed to be embrace that side a little more and not even try to fit in. And I'm sorry, but like it was different back then. You didn't have a entire audience of white kids 
Right. At the rap show. Right. No. Whereas. They listened at home. Nowadays, <laughs> a group like Sociopath Left would be with Phil Stubbs. Yeah. You know, with the right, you know, push. And it would be a bunch of kids, like misfit kids in there just stoked Absolutely. about it. You know, and it's like they were just really ahead of their time and, and different. And, you know, in that era, Austin had like a handful of people embracing hip hop. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they weren't getting the press so much. They weren't getting, you know, and they also weren't really trying to be, they had their, their aspirations of New York. You know, I know the, yeah. a lot about those guys. Yeah. Like, and, uh, so, but that was, I miss Chris more than uh, anybody. Man. That was my, my brother for real, man. Yeah, I grew up with his younger brother, Steve, and then that's how I met him. And then we just kind of, you know, progressed our relationship throughout the years. But that was my, that was my, uh, like scratching, I had scratching my head moment, and I was just thinking about it. But you know, R.P. Chris, man, we love you still. It is mm. what it is, man. And you know, years later, just a few years ago, I was talking to a woman I know from Australia, mm. and she's like, lives in New York. She was living in Harlem, and uh, I was like, "Oh, you still in Harlem?" She's like, "No, I moved to Clinton Hill." I was like, "I used to live in Clinton Hill. I lived at 307 Clinton Avenue." She was like, "I live at 307 Clinton Avenue." And I was like, are you on the left side or the right? She's like, the left, all the way at the top. They made it into a, the upstairs where the studio was. They made that into another apartment because there was a bathroom up there. Everybody was rapping in the bathroom. The mics <laughs> are in there, if you remember. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's everybody from Most Def to the whole list. De La Soul was up there. Yeah. You know, at different times. So, and I was like, you live in a, that little room with the little bathroom all the way at the top? She's like, yeah. I was like, you have no idea every New York rapper rapped in that bathroom. That's wild. It was wild. Yeah, she lived in, in just randomly. She's like, I live there. <laughs> that, that's wild. It's that wild, is wild, man. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, so we've got some history, man. And uh, you have developed into quite the. Uh, you're a bit, pretty big player to me in Christian hip hop. Like you were when we reconnected in the early 2000s or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was around when you started getting more serious into Christian hip hop. When did that happen? So uh, I came back. The crazy thing is I came back um, from New York the second time. I think that was probably around 98. We, we, we were still going strong and growing. And um, then I got saved and I stopped rapping for about two years, man, mm-hmm. just trying to figure life out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that started, we started doing um, – Christian hip hop, and then I think right around oh four oh five we may have connected again. Mm-hmm. I think it may have been oh four oh five. You were still at the South by during that time, right? I just started back with South by at oh four. Yes, yeah, so I think yeah. it was. I think it may have been oh five. Okay, oh five oh six. Yeah, because that's when you know uh, Bavu was starting to kind of pull out a little bit, and he y'all were talking about Lecrae. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that whole conversation led to, hey, we should probably do something. And then, you know, you call me and I call Trey. And then the next thing you know, we had this whole South by Southwest thing going on the Christian side. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's dope. I, I've told you this before, but my first experience with Christian hip hop was with OT, that guy we were just talking about. From We came down to Texas and we're driving back some equipment uh, to New York. Mm. and um, it was the middle of the night in Tennessee, and he was asleep, and I just had, I, I always flipped the radio, and I heard some rap, 
And to me, it sounded kind of like the far side. It had like that sort of feel to it. This is 94. Mm. And um, I heard like lyrics like, he died on the cross for us. This, that, even that. It was very obviously, I'd heard this like random Christian rap radio show in the middle of the night with like, it also, you know, it sounded like hip hop. Right. They were rapping. It was good. You know, the beats were great. And it wasn't, you know, like, the only thing I really heard about before it was like DC Talk or something like that. Right. That wasn't really my thing. No, it no. wasn't anybody's thing. No, you know what I mean? They <laughs> had know. their audience. But then, so, but then to hear that, like, really legitimate, like, hip-hop. Yeah. You know, and I was like, dang. And I woke him up like, man, this is like, this is crazy. This is all Christian hip-hop on this this station. And, and you know, Matt. Was, and it's, it's real. It know? is. It is. And so God took me from around you guys who were like, Power players, and then kind of power players put, put, put me in like a whole new scenario uh, with the same kind of guys, right? So mm -hmm. I ended up. Um, Teron Carter is a really good friend of mine. You mentioned DC Talk. Mm -hmm. Well, he would. Teron was always on tour with DC, and um, he was on tour with Toby Mac, okay. and they became the Grits. Oh, grits. Yes. Yeah. So Teron, Teron is my partner. He, I, I text him still to this day. We talk a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was like I met him here. That was my first because I actually wanted to I left a step out. I started doing I started uh, DJing a radio show on KNLE um, called The Flipside for two years. OK, so I started meeting a lot of people. Through that whole is KNLE a, a Christian station? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's still mm -hmm. still yeah. around to this day, right. but yeah. it's not as big as it was. But I was doing it on Friday night drive time. They gave me a Friday night drive time show. Me, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Who never DJed a day in his life? Yep. That's dope. <laughs> they gave me that, and then you know, but I got into the music and and um, you know the culture, and then all of a sudden I'm doing you know shows and started rapping again, and it was like you know I like this. This is. This is me, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. but music had always been me. So, you know, it just, it. I needed a new form, a new way to express the life that I was living. And if you know anything about hip hop, if you know about rap, if it's not, if it's not, you know, authentically you, nobody's buying it. Nobody's yeah. believing it. That's why Pac was so great. You know, the, the it wasn't just the passion that he relayed the lyrics with. That was who he was. Mm -hmm. When he was militant, that was militant side of Pac. You know what I'm saying? Yep. When it, when he was gangster, that was the gangster side of pop. I mean, that that's how I got him killed, you know, but really, unless you believe that he's still alive. But uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, as a rapper, as an MC, nobody believes what you don't. Mm -hmm. You first have to believe it. Yep. And that's what happened to me is I found something I totally believe in. So, and I became yep. that, you know, I personified it through what I was talking about. I mean, I love uh, gangster rap, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I love all kinds of, of rap, but it gets to a point where I found it to be, like, when we linked up in the mid-2000s, and it was you and, and like, Calvin Martyr and uh -huh. those guys, we and did a few shows and did the South By stuff. It was, like, to hear in the middle of just so much negativity, so much idiocy, you know, minstrelsy stuff that people are doing in this culture or around the culture, uh, it was so refreshing. It's just a breath of fresh air. Cause it's not all just preaching. Mm -hmm. It's positive though. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason why these musical expressions can't be positive because there's a balance in life. And no matter how gangster you are, how hard your life is or whatever, there's, there's always going to be something out there to balance that. 
you yeah. got you hopefully you have a mother hopefully you have someone there that care for you and you know could bring out that more uh i don't want to say softer side but you know like but a spiritual side or like a real genuine familial side you and, know? and you know i share from a vantage point even if you didn't have a mother you know what I'm saying? There, there. Are, a person. No, nah, but I'm just saying, even if you didn't have a person, I share from a side to where most people are gonna get it right because it's like I understand I, the the struggles that that most people have seen. Man, I grew up in that struggle. Like I, I said it before. You know, I, I understand. I grew up doing hard time, so I understand the people who doing hard time. You know what I'm saying? Even if it, that hard time happened to be in jail, even if that hard time happened to be with you having holes in your shoes, you know what I'm saying? Even if that hard time mean that you you didn't have any food in the refrigerator, you know, I grew up that way. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you know people kind of put Christian rap in the context where we're just preaching, nah, I'm sharing with you how to get through life, brother. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I made it through life as a result of this. I, I, I life was lifing for me too. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So you know, being able to 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 share from that vantage point, you say, "Hey, man, been through that. There's a pothole in this in this this uh road. Please don't go down there." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when you hit the pothole, I can tell you how to get out of it because I went to jail too. So we can talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We can talk about. Uh, uh, that form of life. I've seen those pieces of life. So there's no judgment here. All we're trying to do is get a solution. So I think when we think about uh, CHH and we think about Christian hip hop, it's a, it's an answer mm-hmm. for the, the, the virus or, or the, the uh, hard times called life. Why is it so hard to integrate these answers in with, commercial you know the radio side of things and the people in the in the secular side like i don't i never really under, i mean lecrae raps better than yeah. most rappers yeah lecrae is up there yeah. on the list incredible mm-hmm. where's the disconnect and why like most of us many of us were raised in some kind of a christian household or any kind of any religion i'm i'm not you know but i'm saying like most people had something in their life right why is it so hard to accept or understand for some people? That's a great question. I, I think, you know, when you start to think about it, the line will never teach the gazelle how to get away from it. So the big money share is always sex, money, drugs. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be the thing that's going to sell. So, if you know, anything apart from that, it's the same thing. I remember Jay-Z saying, I would love to be common sense, but you know, that ain't what they want to hear from me. So I got to do this. You know what I'm saying? So most people, um, when you start thinking about uh, what Christian hip hop brings and what the genre brings, a real, a real minister, somebody who is coming from uh, the vantage point of I want to help you, um, they're not going to be listened to, and they're not going to be p- uh, pushed to the front because of the simple fact that hey, you you taking money out of my pocket when you do that. You know, mm-hmm. people are going to want to live there. And I mean, it's deeper. I, I hate to get into the deeper side of it, but think about it. Pen, penitentiaries are big business now. Mm-hmm. And if, if I can Huge. get you to um, do sex, money, uh, uh, drugs, you know, if I get you into that lifestyle, you're going to eventually end up over here where I'm getting paid for you. So let's keep that going and let's keep this away. So it's the same reason why you don't have positive rappers in um hip-hop you don't see a whole bunch of positivity like you know the most deaths 
or the comments. You don't see them rising to the top to become the Drakes or or to become the the, the J Coles. You're not gonna hear that because they don't they don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and I grew up in an era where hip hop meant something. You know, it was an expression of the frustration in inner city life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I'm a product of a city life, but yet I live for Christ. So that's what makes it different. You know what I'm saying? I'm a city kid who wrecked the mic, but I'm a different type. It's just that whole thing. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That whole dynamic is what makes me perfect to speak into the culture. But the people who are quote unquote gatekeepers don't want that over the top. Yeah, you know I saying? hear you. I always say with all due respect to, to Chief Keeve and any artist who makes their art fine, make your art. I'm not against you. But when I look at like the old white people who run that label and have been in the culture forever and know this music and know the effect the music can have on people. Why is that what you're putting out? <laughs> why is that craziness? I mean, I can see a kid making a label and putting out something that uh, putting out his peers, but I always look at my peers in this music industry, the people who are of a certain age, like how can you still not want to work for positivity, work towards something, work towards change. Why was, why was the Trump era? You hardly heard political rap, you know, why wasn't everyone screaming and yelling? (laughs) Like what happened, man? What happened to this music that taught me so much? Taught me about Africa. Yeah. You know, it really did. It did. It really did. We, we, we learned so many different things from, Rap and hip hop, we just did like you know so many different subcultures and subgenres. But again, you know if if you're rich and you have money, nine times out of ten you got stock in. in I mean, because this again, jails are publicly traded. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. get you could have stock in a jail system. You know what I'm saying? So why am I gonna mess off my money? Mm-hmm. Hey, Chief Keep. Matter of fact, go make another Sosa. Go make an, another another couple of these things. Talking about y'all killing each other because that's great. That's great for business. One person die, the mortuary gets it. Another person go to jail, and we're getting fifteen hundred a bed. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. We're gonna keep you in this system forever. And then once you get out, now you got to pay for probation. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I mean, it's just a a cycle. So that's why these older guys and 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 I mean, I look at Liar Cohen. Look at what Lyra Cohen is doing. I mean, you know, uh, he, he started out with with Russell Nim, right? And then the next thing you know, he own he owns labels. And now what he owns YouTube, right? And, and I mean, he's like the boss, I guess. I don't know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So you you got the same mind that that kept, you know, uh hip hop from changing or turning and and turning towards records like self-destruction, you have the same mindsets and the same people sitting in different places now that we're going into the digital age. So now what we have to do is the people who are creating um, life music, I'll say it like that, Mm -hmm. the people who are creating life music, we have to now, we have an opportunity through digital, which is the new wave, to share our our life and to share the, the, the messages that we have and that won't be that it'll be monetized, but it won't be gatekeeped. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the, the all you have to do is just continue to be consistent and people will see it. People will hear it. Man, that's beautiful. I mean, I really think uh, that's one of the good things that come out of this digital age is uh, access to more. But then mm-hmm. I wonder how there's so much tunnel vision. 
I imagine being a, a kid now and having every album ever released in your pocket. Wow. What would I have? I wouldn't do anything. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, and they're listening to music. You know, like nothing. when we had to go buy records and all that. But like, if you had all that, but then. No disrespect to Drake, Taylor Swift, or any of the big, big names who do all the biggest streaming numbers. It is what it is. But, like, you have access to so much. Mm. But there's still, like, this pop underbelly that, that won't, you know, that, that so many people just gravitate towards. But Bro, you have it. You have that. It's right there. I heard a stat blow your mind. Yeah. I heard a stat. Christian music as a whole mm-hmm. makes up 1.4% of music. In general, 1.4. Really? Right? Taylor Swift makes up 1.8 by herself. Well, yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Which means that th- there's a lane of pop. We're talking about C- C- A- uh, We're talking about um, CCM. We're talking about C- C- um, Christian hip hop. We're talking about gospel. We're talking about all of that. That's only one point. Four percent of the music, mm. right? And Taylor Swift is one point eight by herself, which leads me to believe at this point, you know what I'm saying? Um, no, nobody cares. Nobody. It, it, it's it's you know definitely about when you said the pop undertone is definitely about what they want to be heard. And I keep saying they, and I hate that, but you know it's it's what the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> it's what the powers that be want. Yeah. To be hurt. They it is is like, yo, we don't care about, you know, this other stuff. This is what we want yep. the public to consume. Yep. How about on the inside within the the Christian music world and the big preachers and the big the big side of the business of a religion? Mm. How much of a stake and how much respect does Christian hip hop get with inside this world and has it gotten better? <sighs> Because I know and it was a struggle. It, it was definitely a struggle. You, you, you have um, some people who were saying, "Yo, this isn't this isn't of God. This ain't mm-hmm. what God want. God don't want you in here, you know, with your hat backwards. And you know, when you come into church, take your hat off. And you know, uh, we don't want the hibbity hibbity in our church. But then there were people who understood that mm-hmm. there was there was folks like me in every church. Yep. And the only way that they could hear the gospel is through, you know, this form and venue. Cause God will use the, the, the crazy things to confound the wise. He just, he just, he'd like that, you know? Um, so, you know, some people embraced it. Some people didn't, you know, and that's still the same today. You know, some people embrace it. Some people won't, but it, it's crazy to me. I don't understand how you would go home and listen to our green. Mm-hmm. And and you don't see you don't see nothing wrong with that, but you won't allow someone to come and speak to the lives of not just your youth, but people who are 40, 50, you know what I'm saying? Because they grew up, hip hop is 50 years old. Mm-hmm. So they grew up in this era with this music. Let it talk to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, it's been a struggle. And but you know, you you just make it your face like a flint and keep pushing forward. You don't even stop. You just, okay, all right. I mean, I can tell you some stories of churches that I've been in where pastors have came up to me and been like, yo, I'm sorry. You know, I I, I had no idea. As a matter of fact, we got um, 
uh, honored. I got honored by the Texas Radio Announcers Guild. I got an award for longevity. Uh, Bill the Mailman Martin was still alive, and, mm-hmm. and he gave us that award. And I remember um, performing at that event, and it was so many pastors that walked up to me saying different things. It's good to see men standing up doing music. And they were like, it's good to see, you know, what y'all are doing, man, because what y'all are doing, y'all are, y'all are speaking to the lives of all of us, even myself. And then mm-hmm. there were there's testimonies where, man, I don't even like rap, but I understand what you're saying. And, you know, it's for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I had a pastor, um, real popular pastor on the East Coast. And he was here at one of my church's functions. And we ministered and just tore the place apart. And I remember him with tears in his eyes saying, man, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. I didn't know. But, you know, that's the whole judge a book by its cover thing, you know. Sure. I mean, this generation, not to, you know, I always say I'm, I am old. It is what it is. This generation doesn't understand can't understand what it was like when not everybody liked rap yeah in fact it was hated yeah. <laughs> you know like i think it's a fact there's grandma i mean we're, we're we could be grandparents right now of course but like there's people there's so many people you wouldn't even expect to like it there but you know the the drakes and the macklemores and the pop stuff that brought them in that mm. some level of acceptance you know what i mean like i remember when my mother and uh, her partner came down for Christmas, and we had Bobby Blakes and Gary Clark Jr. Before Gary like really blew up, it was at the uh, Antones when it was on Fifth, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, they were into like blues and all this, and I thought, oh, they're gonna like Gary. I hope they like Babu. And they just raved about how what the energy Babu had and what a great show that was. They had never seen a hip hop performance. Wow, no way. And uh, they were so stoked, and they liked Gary too, but. They were just so enamored by what Babu did on, and you know what he does on stage. He's a hell of a performer. And awesome. One of the greatest, but. Uh, Absolutely. Hey, Babu, you listening? I concur. I second that emotion. Yeah, for real, man. And he uh, blew him away. So, you know, the things have progressed within, you know, as far as hip hop goes in, in general. But like when we were young, like, let's get that rap out of here. Get it all the way. Black people, older people, like anybody, just like, I don't want to hear that rap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get that out of here. Yeah, no, you I don't want to hear that hippity hippity. Yeah, it ain't. It's, I mean, it's. But they said it was a fad. Yeah, I they know. said it was a fad, and it was it was going away, yeah. and all it did was become the the voice of a generation. And like I said, it was it was used as a tool, but at the same time, it was you know it was life for us. Yeah, it was like I'm gonna tell you a story, real quick story, sure. um, of how I met Andre Walker. Okay. Right. Um, Andre Walker, I lived in Coleman, Texas. Little old bitty town. Little mm-hmm. old bitty. I'm talking about horse and, horse and pony town. I mean, maybe 45,000 people in the whole town. It was, it was small. Um, but I'm, I uh, every summer I had to go to Dallas and South Oak Cliff. So I, I they gave me a identity. I knew who I was as an African-American kid. But I grew up in this small town, you know, mm-hmm. environment. Um, but I had a friend who lived catacorner to me. He he was really good in basketball. His name was Speedy Holloway. Mm-hmm. He went to college. And um, he he ended up going to uh, Ranger first. And then he went to Odessa, 
where he played with Larry Johnson. And Larry Johnson came down and tore the rim down at our, in, in our hometown. I'm mad at Larry for that stuff. Huh. Um, I came home ready to play basketball. Larry, man, the goal down. Larry Johnson tore it up. That was before he became grandmama. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. He played basketball at Ranger Junior College. Well, guess who else played basketball at Ranger Junior College? Andre, Andre Walker. Okay. So Andre uh, came home with Speedy. And um, when he came home with Speedy, I went over to Speedy's um, all the time just to hang out, play dominoes. I was a little young whippersnapper at the time. I don't know, maybe 11, maybe 11, 12, mm-hmm. maybe. Um. And uh, Dre comes down, man, and he he brought paid in full with man. him, right? Mm-hmm. And I I was hooked, bro. Like I would just come over to sit, and I, I wouldn't even be nobody was playing dominoes. I was just sitting listening to. I was hooked, bro. I was hooked. And at the end of that, Dre was getting ready to go back to school. He said, "Here, little man." He gave me the tape. I never man. forget it. So years fast forward. Years later, he sees me rapping, and I see him, and I notice it. Well, no, I'm skipping an experience. He actually went to the high school that I went to when I moved here to Austin, and we played, you know, he would come in during the holidays to play and get a run and play against the current players. Well, guess who was one of the current players? I was, and I told him, I was like, hey, man, you know, and then we kind of connected there, and then years later, we connected again, and he plugged me with the South by and the rest is history. That's yeah, great. Andre Walker, one of the early, early uh, people getting getting hip-hop into South by Southwest. Right. For sure. And the reason what brought that up is I wanted to just say, you never know um, who a person's going to be, man. And I, I got to say this. You never know who a person's going to be. You never know what a person's going to do. It just pays to be nice, man. Yeah, man, for real. It pays to be nice, you know, and it, and it, it pays to listen to – if somebody, because we were talking about how, you know, your parents were like, uh, and older people were like, yeah, hip-hop, hip-hop, hip-hop. Hip-hop really, for all intents and purposes, kept me on the straight and narrow before I actually got an opportunity to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things that, you know, I called it Big Brother. I got a, a song from this new record that the Warriors are doing. It's called Big Brother. And I was saying, you know, I treated it like a big brother. I hopped off the porch Young whippersnapper, I, I, I had a big stick, but, you know, I mean, that, it was a little bigger running with Big Brother, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, you learn how to do so many things through the genre and through the music, and it kept me interested in creating versus interesting in hustling. That's you know? dope. That's really dope. Babu had an album called Create and Hustle. Yeah. You, you see? Go. Man, that's, a, that's incredible because... <clears throat> People don't understand like the reach that how much this affected people you know, coming from where you came from in these small towns. You weren't supposed to hear Eric being rock camp. You weren't supposed to know about New York. You know right. what I mean, you're country. You weren't this. You weren't that. But then <laughs> you heard it and it resonated with you, and it became something, and it became a huge part of your life, mm-hmm. which I think that's incredible. Andre Walker, man, if you're listening. I'm gonna call him out right now. He doesn't want to be on the podcast. Yeah, he just doesn't want to do. It. He's like, I don't know. I don't need to be on a podcast. I'm like, yes, you do. If anybody yeah. needs to be on a podcast, it's somebody you. needs to get. It needs yeah. to be me yeah. talking to Andre for yeah. real because yeah. I got questions. <laughs> I got. I yeah. still have a ton of them, man. Yeah. You know, I just sat down. I and spent. Some, anybody deserves their flowers, man. That's yeah. Andre. Yeah, it's Andre. He brought it's so many man. of us together. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't I don't know that the South by would have been the South by without his contribution. No. Not not the way we know it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because he literally opened up the door for Doug, you, and and um, T-Double, all of the people who kind of took it right after him. He opened up the door and, you know, just brought, broadened the spectrum mm-hmm. for people to be able to open it to. Because uh, I, I remember that first year, he had the Grave Diggers. That was 94. Uh-huh. He had the Grave Diggers and somebody else. Uh, uh, Mad Flavor, Black Monks. Black Monks. Holy Souls. It, mm-hmm. Think Chaotix, Heads and Dreads. No, no, no. That was year two. Well, Heads and Dreads, and I have all that on my um on my YouTube, except for the Grave Diggers. They wouldn't let a video do that. But oh, okay. So they were, they were there the, the first year. Okay, okay. At the okay. Opera House, yeah. And that okay. was um, the I remember House. that, yeah. yeah. Now, Sociopath is on there. Year two, there was, I remember, we won year two. So 95, I, yep. I, I, was, I was excited about that. Um uh, and then there was the. I remember the day that I came to to do the sound check. There was this little short girl behind me. You're pretty eyes. I was like, man, you know, who is this? I'm trying to holler, you know, really. And um, I remember she got up during sound check and um, she did a song on and on. And I, she got off. I was like, man, what's your name? You know, Erica Free. Well, she later became Erica Badu. All right. She did, definitely did not do on and on. <laughs> I mean, not no, but no, because I have this story has been like no, 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 no. She did. She that was a, that was a song that her and um Jaborn had made before. She did do that in in the for soundcheck. She may not have done it that night, but she did it for soundcheck. Because mm, I talked to her about. Well, I mean, her recollections also were a little different from. Uh, I talked to her a couple years ago for Texas Monthly about that, and uh, she had said on and on came later because there's an article. That um, I think it was Michael Corcoran wrote about that and how she came out and did on and on when she just did a verse with Heads and Dreads on that. And I remember the show. I wasn't at the sound check, obviously, but I remember the show where I was just like, who is this? You know, and then she then the Blew next year, the next year they brought her back solo. Andre booked in 96 as well. And he actually did a quote unquote R&B night as well. And uh, Erica was part of South by 96. It was right around when she really started blowing up. Started making so that. we may have the years wrong. Yeah, I may have the years wrong. Yeah, maybe. But Catfish Station was ninety five. Well, we were at Catfish Station. Yeah, okay. we were at Cat- we were definitely at Catfish Station. Academy was there. Squad mm-hmm. X was there, which was her squad. You know what I'm saying? And I do. I remember on there because okay, Peanut, who was the producer for Academy, mm-hmm. actually put in the drums for On and On. With um, free, uh, free was her cousin, mm-hmm. right? And and then I remember, um, I just remember the song because when I heard the song, it made me do this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And Baduism came right after. I forget what year Badu. Maybe was it was the '96. Yeah, yeah. Badu, Baduism came right after that, and I remember that song, and, and it because it, that song went on to be on Badu Baduism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But at the actual show, she just did a verse with Heads and Dreads. And the whole crowd was like, whoa. yeah, That and, was amazing. But I remember from the sound check, and I, I'll never forget that. Because I remember the, the the song. like, And I, I yeah, yeah. I, I, now now more the story's fleshing itself out. Um, Peanut was actually there, and Epatomy was there. And I was asking Peanut, I was like, man, well, this song, man, this dope. Did you produce that? He was like, no, nah, no, nah, I just did the drums. 
I was like, oh, but oh, that's hot, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Man, okay. But she did. It was. It was. She was there for the sound check, and I. I remember that. And I. I you. You could be right as far as I don't remember her doing a whole set at night. But then again, I was on ninety six. She did a whole set. Ninety five. She didn't. I was preparing for my own thing at that yeah. point. But in ninety six, she was already signed to Kadar Management, though, right? It was all yeah. Yeah, Kadar, I believe, who got put her put her on South by and everything else. Yeah. That um. That 95 South by was two nights. And ESG was on there. Big Mellow. Big Mellow, Clever Jeff. Uh uh Y'all, Scavone, Sociopath, Mad Flavor. Mad Flavor, Red. Mad yep. Flavor with with, with I Baby just saw G. Cole Chris this weekend. He gave me that promo box from ninety-three. What? Yeah, like I just saw him this weekend in Dallas. Um So yeah. you know what? Uh, 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 listen, I, I like a public that's listening. You know, this this is us remembering stuff from years ago. So yeah. sometimes when stuff gets jumbled up, it it is what it is. Don't, don't. No, it's for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, your memory is your memory. It is what it is. Yeah. Everything's subjective. You know what yeah. I mean? Like absolutely. But I know, um, I can still see her in the sweater. You know, she was wearing like a sweater on stage, and it was just like I don't a. Know. I don't, like I said, I don't remember what she had on, but I could tell you. Um, the craziest thing is that whole group, that whole collective yep. of people that she was around during that time. She may have been the only one that made it. Well, her Bavu, of course, because Bavu was around them at the same time too. So she, but she may have been the only one that kind of blew out of that group. But Squad X was just ridiculous, mm-hmm. man. I mean, they were ridiculous. They had you know some some MCs in there that that I was just like, man. Yeah, I need to work on my craft. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I remember going to uh over to Peanut's house and, you know, cause that's where all of the production from Squad X was coming out of. Uh there in Jaborn. They were all, mm-hmm. you know, they had all them names. You know what I'm saying? You, you, the name Dalo, Jaborn, uh, what's my dude, the other dude with with Ty, who had Ty Macklin. Yeah, yeah, Ty. It was it was like, you know. When I got into that group, it was like, man, okay, yeah, this is. I got to really take my pen to a whole new place. These guys is ridiculous. Man, Dallas was dynamic, man. Back then, that was that their like underground scene was was doper than most people's man scene scene. Like they had, and that was another go to Club Exodus and some of the Dallas venues back in the day. It was another, and the DJ scene up there was next level. So it was like Baby G on down. Baby G was ridiculous, just ridiculous. But you would go, like I say, coming from Houston. If a, if like say even Tribe Called Quest came to Houston in 1992, it would have been at the nightclub. You know what I mean? It would have been mm-hmm. like an afterthought of the selling drinks and the dancing. You know of the night and they you know the groups would come on like super late. But then I'd go to Dallas or Austin and see the same show, and it would be like, whoa, this is a real sound system, real venue, a real show. Yeah, and uh. Not like they didn't have sound, but I always separate the live music venues from the nightclubs. You know mm. what I mean? It's a different scene and a different crowd generally that's going to go. People who are there to dance and drink yeah. or people who are there to be entertained, like see a show. It's usually, you know, and then soon after 93, 94, we got venues in Houston booking, you know, proper concerts and tours. I mean, even before that, it wasn't even that many like proper tours in hip hop like that. There were some. But it wasn't like now where people are on the same circuit says, you know, and an alternative rock group. You know, yeah. Stubbs could have hip hop tonight and 
country tomorrow and whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the Mohawk. These are all like very different places and a different scene. But yeah, man, that's a, that's some Texas hip hop history for sure. It is. It is. And you know, when you, when you talk about booking, just kind of to stay on the the topic in in my journey, as far as Mm -hmm. um, that's concerned, I I started doing, um, when I started doing uh, the, the Christian version of the South by which working in conjunction with the South by it was called uh, the kingdom experience. That's right. So, um, then what I started doing was, you know, bringing artists like, you know, Kirk Franklin through, uh, Lecrae through again, uh, you know, uh, Tadashi, uh, Youthful Praise, um, you know, uh, The Walls Group, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan McReynolds. All of these are, are big in the gospel space and, you know, the hip hop space. So it would it would be a three day concert. I remember the Kirk Franklin concert had like 5000 people there. It was, it was huge. That night we, we sold out because I got Promised Land and Promised That's Land. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Promised yeah. Land stood behind me during that time. And we were able to kind of have a huge show. It was, it was so big. I still have pictures of that. Um, it was a good moment, you know. And you started out at the Carver. Started out at the Carver. We started the, Carver, at, the theater at the Carver Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first year, the the funny thing is that first year, it was it, it was so many people at the Carver that we had to do two shows because yeah. some people couldn't get in. Yeah, so, I remember. I remember that. Man, <laughs> I hit my friend up at Greater Mount Zion. He was a past youth pastor there, Pastor White, and I was like, "Hey, can we get over to the church?" And he, you know, had an emergency meeting, and they opened up the church for us so that we could come in. And do the same concert that we had just done again for the people who couldn't get in. And the crazy thing is, is the Carver was packed. We moved over to the the uh, the church. The church was packed. Mm-hmm. And so so nobody left. Everybody sat through the show twice, Man. and that was that was exceptional. That was exceptional to see. And then, like I said, um, you know, we moved on from there, and we just kept making it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and bigger until. Right before COVID, right before mm-hmm. COVID, it stopped. Um, but I enjoyed being able to bring people through and then expose people to uh, artists that are quality, you know, yep. who, who worked on their craft. Um, they're not, you know, Curtis Blow sounding, you know, not mm-hmm. no diss towards Curtis, but, you know, in today's. No, they're current. Yeah, yeah. you know, that they, they, they actually do music that, you know, people will, will put it out and jam. And, and it's different. Like I said, so. That was the evolution of me. You know, I continued to keep making music, but at the same time kind of expanded to, I want everybody to have an opportunity to hear it because there's some really good stuff out here. Like, you know, you, you if you like music in general, there's somebody in our genre that you're gonna like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and they're, they're, um, there are so many people out there. And then now, you know, my, my good friend, Brian Trejo, who has kind of, Open up, the, you know, the the whole Hispanic market for uh, Christian hip hop, which is a market that wasn't touched. You know what I'm saying? And then you have artists like Five who are out there who, you know, Five was, uh, you know, hooked to uh, crack and 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 heroin, and um, his whole life from you know the time he was 13. You know what I'm saying? And then walked into a church, got healed, set free, and delivered. Nine years sober now, and who devoted his life to doing um, ministry and makes so much great music. Five is his name. It's the number and then I-V-E. Um, 
makes such great music, such great music. You know, that's a, a really good friend of mine. You know, Plain James from Atlanta, who was a trapper, you know, uh, who changed his life and became different. And, you know, now, you know, you you see 1K Few and people like that working with um, my guy who's doing Zaytoven. Zaytoven, mm-hmm. you you see all of these. So the music is is got a wide palette and there's so many different people out there who you could catch and listen to. And they, they will encourage you in the process. Yeah, and I was so happy when that first South by show that did so well because everything we tried to do at South by was a sell. We had to try to sell it to somebody, to mm-hmm. the carver, to the bosses. All that. Like, no, I, this is legit. We're going to do this. It's going to be great, people. There's an audience. Because mm-hmm. if it wasn't proven, it wasn't uh, – I had to kind of slide these things through the cracks sometimes over there. And it was uh, – right. So happy that it, it happened and it went well and Pyra and the, the folks at the Carver loved having you guys and loved the whole concept of it. It came out, it was really great. One of my favorite moments that was just crazy to me is when they had me come to the, the Holy Hip Hop Awards in Houston. I got to see how massive that was. But they had a panel and they put me on a panel with like Sugar Hill Gang and Special Ed <laughs> and, uh, and some other folks. It was like... I was there that day. That was crazy. Sway, Sway actually was an announcer. Well, he... Gave an award that the the at the awards, but I was there. I remember that. I remember that. Man, that was something. We actually got an award. We we actually won an award for best new group. I we we were new by their standards at yeah. that time. So. I bet. Yeah. No. That's so. Uh, I like to get a little give people a little look into that world because it's it's definitely dynamic and exists, and it's something that's just like to me, it's elementary. You know, it's like if the music's good, the music's good. I mean. You talk about 1.4% of the market being uh, Christian music in general. Like, what happened? Because, you know, I'm a crate digger. I'm buying records. I'm always looking at, maybe not always buying. I'm always digging through records everywhere I go. And everywhere, every place that has, you know, where you're digging for real records, you're finding gospel right from all over the spectrum, from Appalachia to Harlem, <laughs> to the, to the deep south. Like, there's Definitely. all different levels to it. And there's so much that... Had to have been a higher percentage back then. <laughs> well, it, I, I'm, so I'm, sure, I'm sure that it was, Matt. I'm sure yeah. that it was. But, man, I mean, I'm not saying that people stop caring about the gospel. Mm-hmm. But, man, when when you, you're in this culture of do as you wilt, you know, people ain't really caring about, you know, oh, man, when I die, I die. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it, I even heard my sister say something, you know, that it was kind of sad, but she she would always say she was gonna live fast and die hard. Basically, you know that was that, but that is the 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 mantra mm-hmm. of what's going on right now. You know what I'm saying? And consequently, this is a sidebar because I I want to say this before I forget it. I gotta give Matt his flowers. You guys who are listening, Matt deserves flowers because did you hear how he was in the he was intricately woven into what was happening in CHH. And um, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have got, you know, the step step we got into the to the uh, South by Southwest. And then, you know, we went on a, a magnificent run. So I got to give you your flowers. Thank you. 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 Thank you guys. Thank you. It was cool because that's I mean, that was that's what it's all about. You know, yeah. and that was my whole goal was like. Everybody should be able to take advantage of this, this huge event that brings the industry together, you know? And it's like, if yeah. you're making, if it's good, it's good. I never really cared about hot. Yeah. I like quality. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're, I probably like music that no one listens to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have things like tapes in my, my closet that I, 
that are classics to me and never got past the demo stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but to me, I still can pull them out and, and jam it. Yeah, you definitely. Know? But thank you for that. Thank you yeah, for of that. Of course. Yeah, but uh, again, like I was saying, I don't know if it's it's forgotten. I just feel like that people don't want to hear, you know, but then they do. I mean, because life is, like I said, life is life. So mm-hmm. they do want to hear something to help get them out of the funk that they're in. But then they don't want to hear right. somebody who's preaching at them. So you can't really, in this day and age, you can't really come at somebody with, you know, you're going to hell. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> most people feel like they in hell. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. Yeah. So you have to really find a, a, a way to have a, a conversation. And the way to have that conversation is just to say, hey, man, I'm just like you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I got the same, I face the same issues. I live in the same world. We had the same sun shining on us at the same time. But I found a different way. I found a better way. I found a way to keep myself from, from uh, crying. I found a way to keep myself from going crazy. I found a way to keep myself from jumping off the balcony. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and and you you're able to share that way, and um and when people know that you care, then they'll listen to you. But right. they don't care what you know if if you don't show them that you care. Is there a Christian trap? There is. Yeah, there is. Matter of fact, I do it a lot. Really? <laughs> you know what okay. I do it a lot because I mean I share from that vantage point because yep. I understand the trap. Yep. I understand the trap. And then uh, Plain James that I mentioned, yep. he's another one that, uh, you know, does Christian trap music. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, your boy uh, T-Strike Wallace, um, my my guy, man, um, from Florida, he does it and does it well. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Uh, Bizzle, who I left out. Oh, Bizzle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Bizzle does a lot of quality. It's on the verge of trap. It ain't really trapped, but it's on the verge of it. Bizzle mm-hmm. is like that. And then now there's a movement going. You got hyphy um, Christian CHH music. Um, Miles Minnick, Galvin, and Cali okay. making noise. You know what I'm saying? So there are different genres now. And we're also, we're also starting to sprout a, 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 a Christian R&B genre. And that to me, that's dope. It should have always been. You should have always had... You know, some softer music that you can listen to, you know, that's just talking about life and love, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can connect life and love to Christ really easy mm-hmm. because he came that you would have life and that more abundantly. And that abundant life is what we talk about. Yes, for sure. That's dope, man. I mean, we, we you mean, you mentioned El Green and, and like the classic, you know, sounds of soul mm-hmm. throughout. There's always been gospel Always, always. Lionel Richie, mm-hmm. you know yep. what I'm saying? <laughs> this easy like Sunday morning. I mean, there was, there's always, you know, the Commodores did uh, uh, Jesus is Love. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You, it's always been, it's been a part of it. I mean, when you got Aretha Franklin, Aretha Franklin come from the church. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these people came from the church. Most of the Most. talents <laughs> that you got, yeah. came, Faith Evans, came from the church. You know what I'm saying? So you, you get that. Um, and I think what what happens is, like I said, in the in the attempt to to get more, you know, you you leave your core behind. It's like mm-hmm. you know, um, we we called it selling out, and and that's what is happening. A lot of people just sell out, man. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, man, what have you? You said you got an album coming up. 
Tell me about what you're working on right now. Yes. Yeah, so and is this like number 10? Actually, I just finished number 10. Really? Okay. With, with my nephew, it's called Spin the Block. Um, and Spin the Block was my biggest selling album, which is crazy. We went, we hit number eight on iTunes. You know what I'm saying? That was a monumental thing. Number eight on iTunes when it came out. I'd never been that high before. I don't think I got any higher than 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but this last album was number eight. Um, I, I, I started out doing Christian rap in a group called the Warriors. Yep. The Warriors ATX. We broke up and, um, Nine years ago, we broke up, and now we're back, and we're doing oh, a new Warriors album. Yeah, that's, okay. that's that's what we're working on right now. New Warriors album. Now who else in the Warriors? Um, Proof and Herb. Okay, you know what I'm saying, and literally, like I said, it's it's it is a eye opening record. I like it, man. It's 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 different from what I've done because you know I started to get in my own vein because I've been releasing albums myself. And I was getting in my own vein, but but now it's it's a different thing because you know proof my who's my actual cousin, he he was a crip, so he grew up in you know on hood neighborhood, so everything was about the hood, you know what I'm saying? And now he's you know a certified minister and prophet, and been saved for years, you know, and um, he still speaks to that neighborhood though, the neighborhood here, mm-hmm. you know, because they understand. Hey man, you come from this. So if anybody talk to me about that, it's you. And then, you know, Irv, who come from inner city life as well. He a barber. He hear a whole bunch of stories. So he's able to kind of spice one us, give us, you know, uh the best of, of what he heard and actually speak to it. And he's a dynamic minister in his own right, you know. And then of course you got me. So mm-hmm. um this this album I think is really gonna be a, a really uh full album. And I, I think um, people are going to be really blessed by it. Dope, dope, dope. And what else uh, have you got on the horizon? Are there still are there any performances coming up? Are we going to see the Warriors on stage together again? Yeah, I mean, I'm going on tour. I'm going on the CPR tour with Five and um, playing James. So you'll you'll see me on that tour. Um, and then, of, of course, when it comes down to it, as far as the Warriors, we're probably going to take some dates. But one of the things for me, I'm transitioning – into um, movies. So I'm doing a lot of um, trying to work on movie scores, movie soundtracks. Um, I actually want to write one. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that's something that mm-hmm. is an aspiration of Tubi. mine. Tubi changed the game. Man, everybody <laughs> and you making know, movies. <laughs> guess, guess who owns Tubi? The same dude. The same dude. Um, uh, I just done lost the boy's name. Fox. He owned Fox. He, he owned the Fox Network when they were doing uh, in Living Color, and they had uh, you know Martin, they had all of them, you know, and then he he bought he got the the football he got uh, the NFL, and when he got the NFL, he dropped all of the black shows. Right mm. now he owns Tubi, and the thing that you understand, see, I I sit down on stuff, I don't just talk about it, but. The thing that I understand is, is that anytime you have African-American eyes, you got African-American money. Mm-hmm. So Tubi, when you look at Tubi, it's all these African-American movies. And that's where the shift is. Everybody's over there looking at Tubi. So when you mention it, I'm like, yeah, you know, they'll pick up anything, especially if it's black. You know what I'm saying? Because the all eyes is there. But this is this is the 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 wave. And if people start seeing it, 
you got to see it. If you really want to be successful, you really got to see what's happening and, and recognize the time. And the way the new wave is a digital age. And the quicker you adapt to it, the better. You know what I'm saying? You know, the quicker you adapt to it, the better. And you get on. I won't be surprised if they start, you know, uh, Beyonce kind of did it, you know, uh, just releasing an all visual album and not put it on any streaming platform. You don't get paid for anything streaming. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Streaming, uh, streaming has literally crippled the music game. You, you don't make, you know I mean, point zero zero seven of is what you make on any stream. It's it's hard for you to, a thousand streams is nothing. It's a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah and, and, you know, a million, a million streams ain't that much more. You know what I'm saying? So it's like um, streaming has really crippled the music game and you don't get an opportunity to get paid what you want. And then the, the ha not having CDs, that you can't hustle CDs anymore. So, you know, when you look at that, that cut, that kind of cut uh, um, a music purchase. If you're doing full-time music, that cut into what you make, you know. Mm -hmm. Now the only thing that you do have is touring or you have to get a brand. And that's why I said part of a, having a brand is actually doing the work digitally, creating yeah, a true. brand. It's true, but I'll say this. <clears throat> I've been, I always like records, you know, I like vinyl and realized recently how many CDs I have. I haven't pulled out CDs because I'd look at CDs as digital and streaming's digital. Mm -hmm. And uh, on this trip to Dallas this weekend, I took a handful of CDs for the first time. I hadn't barely used the CD player in my car, you know. <clears throat> and my wife and I were like, man, this CD sounds great. Streaming sucks. Yeah. I, I put on a spot... We, Man, I don't even remember who it was, but she she'll do. I don't even try anymore. Like she'll go on to the the new music page of Spotify, or whatever you know, like New Music Friday, and she'll see artists that we like, and she'll play. You know, like we heard the new Protege. I love reggae. We heard the you new know, some stuff, but there was a song with Killer Mike and like three other rappers. It was so obvious that none of them were in the room together recording it. Every yeah. every vocal sounded. Different. different not just vo voice wise i mean like just Effects. you could just tell it was yeah. you know levels wise and all this like you put a record on and in the car on like spotify and you're like was this not mastered <laughs> like what is this man like so so i'm glad you brought that up know? man man the, the even the mass the way that things are so okay music now is all about being loud yeah. Right. So they want everything to be loud. So you, we, when you used to see a wave pattern, it was small. Right. Yep. And now you see wave patterns that are out here, man. And they're almost clipping almost to the point yep. to where they're clipping. And everybody wants that. And then you you hear there's not a vocal that's pure anymore. Like yeah. if you're listening to, yeah, to our voices right now, this is pure. No effects. Right. So there's not a vocal that you're going to hear that's actually coming from the artist anymore. And then most of the stuff that we were doing back then, if it wasn't on two inch, it was definitely done in the same place. So y'all were doing it, capturing the same sound, yeah, capturing, the same, yeah, <laughs> capturing the same energy. And it's sometimes hard because yeah. I do a lot of features too. It's sometimes hard to capture yeah, the energy is. of a record 
when you're not in there together. But when we're together, now I'm capturing the energy. I got your vibe. You got mine. And we're like, yeah, we bouncing off of each other. But well, that's what I, I mean. What the reason I said that is I want to explain to people like the resonance of a record, like the vibrations of a of an album, the quality of an actual CD versus what we're also, you know, people are growing up on streaming, you know, they know it's like, I want people to know that like when you hear this, uh, Al Green record, you're supposed to feel it in your chest. Yeah. You know, not just in your ears, you're supposed to feel that vibration coming right into your soul. Yeah, man. And it doesn't register through these little phones, man. And I mean, I think Bluetooth is amazing. I, it's, I love it. I embrace it. I listen to I always say when I, when we first got cable TV, when I was say like eight or nine years old and cable came to my hometown, I said to my mother, like, I wish we had cable radio. I want to hear the radio stations in, you know, the next city or New York or Ghana or right. London, you know, and that's what I, I listen to that way more than Spotify. Like I'll have on, you know, a foreign radio station or somebody's mixed from Africa or something like that's just different. Mm-hmm. Cause when I go on and I actually, I actually don't like to hear an album for the first time on a streaming platform. Mm. I really, a song, fine. But like, it's not the same. Like some, there's jazz records that I'll have to order sometimes, you know, and friends of mine or whatever, be on Bandcamp. And I don't even listen to the stream on Bandcamp. I just wait for the record to get here so I can sit down and really experience it that first time. Yeah. And hopefully want to listen to it again and again. Like, Streaming to me makes it too easy. Like I can't think of like a record, like a modern record on streaming that I've gone back to multiple times. Man, I'm glad you said that. See, Matt said that I didn't, y'all, but I ain't gonna lie to you. There's that's that's the norm for me. But there's a reason to purchase these damn CDs and tapes, and when when people do make the effort to put out a physical. Help that artist with that, like buy that because right. it's going to not only is it help the artist financially, it's way better than getting point zero zero seven cents. It's uh, it's going to be better for you, too. Yeah. For your ears and your soul and to actually listen to something the way it was supposed to be made and presented Mad. without being compressed into this corporate insane Mad. streaming, on, whatever man. it is. Come on, man. And I don't have I don't even know about the uh, whatever <laughs> Apple and them are doing with like the super high quality streams now or whatever like whatever give me the record (laughs) yeah the the, the crazy thing about that is man when is i ask myself that all the time like when is the last time that my breath was taken away when i heard a record like Mm -hmm. wow like and it's been a while it happens but i think it happens more when it's special you know or when i came up from the time then uh doing like radio underground radio and stuff like and writing for some of the magazines, like, man, that advanced cassette was like a million dollars. Like, yeah. I had the tape before anybody. Anybody, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I got this tape. I'm, so I come from that mindset. It's hard for me to accept that everybody's hearing the same record the same yeah. day. I, I heard real quick, um, Players Ball was out. Mm-hmm. Only record out. And uh, my friend knew Big Mike. He, he knew Big Mike. Or Big and, Boy. No, Big Mike. Okay. From the Ghetto Boys. Okay. Yeah. He knew him, and there was um, a concert Big Mike was throwing at the Bomb Factory in Dallas. So Players Ball was the only thing out, the only thing we had heard. From Outkast? From Outkast. Right. Yeah. And um, then he he uh, invited us out, and here's here's how this story happened. 
uh, Outkast did at least eight. I'm talking about eight songs from their album, right? Maybe eight. Yeah, about eight. And it was the first time that I heard it. The Southern Playalistic hadn't came out yet. And I remember being blown away. So this is to your point. I remember being blown away. Like, man, these guys are fisting to be stars. Because the first record they did was uh, Players Ball. The next record they did was Ain't No Thing But a Chicken Wing. Mm-hmm. The next record they did was Southern Playalistic. They and then they they kept going. They, they finished their set with Crumbling Earth. I was done, son. I was like, this is the best thing that I've ever heard. These guys are going to be freaking stars. And uh, there's nothing like. Were they opening for Big Mike? No, this was their show. Okay. At the Bomb Factory in Dallas. This was their show. Um, But Big Mike was hosting. Okay. He was the one that was hosting. And he got me and my friend in. I mean, because the line was just outrageous we were never gonna get in that show we were never mm-hmm. um because players ball was like eating on k104 you know okay. what i'm saying they were eating and um but i just like i said i remember thinking to that point and that's the thing that i, I want when i hear music man mm-hmm. that's what i want i need to hear that feeling i need to get that feeling you know For what i'm real? saying yeah I, and, and i don't have that feeling when you listen to most music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's true. Well, support these artists live. Support them with their actual products. Buy the shirt. You know what I'm saying? That's what uh, that's what it's really all about if we want to save this uh, music and this artistry. And really, you know, it's it's one of the most vital uh, nutrients in my life. That's yeah. for sure. Having the great music and the great vibes. And I really appreciate you coming through, man, to the studio and having some real talk. Like I said, 30 years Man, 30. 30, 30 years, bro. Thank you for having still me. still look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, man, black don't crack. That's man, all I can say. You know, here it is. Here we are. Yeah. 2024. 24. Unbelievable. Wow. That's crazy. Crazy. I, I'm, still, I'm still blown away by that, man. But, Matt, I appreciate you for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you, your platform. I love your platform. I pray that it just continues to grow. Thank you. And, and you share. I mean, because you have a wealth of knowledge, a plethora of things that you could tell the next generation coming afterwards. I mean, I'll leave you guys with one thought, man. Um, you know, definitely when it comes to life, and and, and I'll talk about life, life, and I need you to understand you were created for a purpose. You weren't, you're not just here. You're a part of an original design. You're a part of, um, you know, a, a, a full plan. There's a plan for you. Don't think that you just here haphazardly. Nobody is. There's something that you were created innately to do. You need to find that thing out. And the only way to find that thing out is to go to the person who designed you, to go to the place where you are ultimately designed. And there are instructions on how to get there and who to talk to. And and definitely it's available through the Bible. Now I'm not fit, I'm not here saying that, you know, um you need to go change your life tomorrow, but I, I'm saying that you need to evaluate certain things. You need to look at your life. If you're tired of walking around the same mountain and getting the same results, there's a way that you can find and it's different. If you need some help, I'm out there. You can find your boy. Find me on any digital platform, any any of my socials. I'm there to help you, man. We can create together. We can talk together. Whatever, man. Just hit me up. Give them your socials. Uh, socials uh, at Victorious52 on IG. 
Uh, you can definitely find me on Facebook still. I'm still there. You know what I'm saying? You can find Victorious uh, from the uh, from the Warriors ATX on Facebook. And you can also find me on TikTok at Victorious512. I'm there as well. And on X at Victorious512. Got you. Man, I appreciate you coming through and, and chopping it up. It's way overdue, man. Yeah, man. Definitely. Definitely. I just, I'm happy to be here with my friend, man. Yeah, me too. For real, man. That's what this is all about. Talk so real with Matt Sanzala. Just real talk with a bunch of my friends. Yes, sir. Drake can stay anywhere he wants. Where he's, <laughs> no, we like, I don't hate Drake. But uh, I really just want to talk to my people, man. Yeah, man. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody. Where's your podcast? I, I, I talk about sports. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I talk about sports. Okay. All right. All right. Well, man, once again, I appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. Talk so real with Matt Sanzala is out there on all podcast streaming platforms and uh, would love to uh, see you back here next time.